There's clever engineers. But no. Time for ASO Radio. Hey everybody, how you doing? Another episode of ASO Radio has been Stu, and hope you're ready to have it brewing because we're going to be going and moving. Hey everybody, welcome. You see, it's your old pal NZ. I got you a brand new show, so everybody, I hope you're ready to go. <clears throat> if you couldn't tell, this is me, NC17, welcoming you to another brand new episode of ASO Radio. This is episode 97, the Gemini episode. Why? Because 98 and 97 are twins. I recorded them one after the other. And just like twins, they're going to have some identical features. I'm going to do a couple of little stylistic things that are new to these two episodes, new to the show. And can you tell what they are? Well, just pay close attention and I'm sure you'll notice. Anyways, we've got a lovely hand-picked selection of anime news to get to this episode, including, uh, later on, we'll be having a review of Paranoia Agent, the second DVD, and we're going to also be reviewing... <laughs> Boy, I'm just having a tough time getting over my lips. We're going to be reviewing Shenmue for the Sega Dreamcast, and hopefully I'll be following that up in a couple of weeks, or possibly months, with the review of Shenmue 2 for the Dreamcast. After all, I had to import me a European copy so I could carry my save data over. Oh, Sega, if only things had gone better for you. Anyways, uh, enough of my rambling. Let's go ahead and start talking about some of our ASO Radio anime news. Okie dokie then. Let's start off with an apparent literacy problem. Or is it? Japanese kids are having difficulty reading manga, believe it or not. Comic Press has translated a live door article on the growing number of Japanese children who don't know how to follow ma- uh, manga panels and speech bubbles. Now, initially, being an American, I had a couple of growing pains to get over when I began to read manga myself. After all, instead of the traditional American left-to-right, top-to-bottom style of reading comics, which often had sequential, um, similarly-sized panels throughout, uh, manga reads from right-to-left, top-to-bottom, and the dialogue balloons follow the same order. So whereas you would read uh, from one direction to the other in English, you have to reverse that in order to follow the manga panels. And unlike the conventions you see in a lot of American comics, um, when there is a thought bubble, in other words, those dialogue balloons that are shaped like little clouds with circles under them, it's not actually a character thinking, but a character whispering. And when a character goes and has a whole bunch of, like, streamy explanation pointy thingies all around it, they're having a thought. 
not some sort of uh, yelling or anything. So there is a bit of a curve, but you'd imagine Japanese uh, children would know how to read manga better. I mean, it comes from their country. All right, next up, Anime Select wants some cosplay cuties for Anime Expo. Yes, Anime Selects is looking for four spunky fans who are 18 years or older to be cosplay cuties at its Anime Expo booth. Uh, Anime Selects is offering $100 for working from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. July 2nd and 3rd. And of course, for more details, you should email them at cosplaycuties at ccfv.com. So you have to wonder, though, is this a publicity stunt that they're doing just to go and get uh, their name out there since uh, Anime Selects is rather uncommon as far as uh, a well-known name goes in the online anime sphere, or are they going and just uh, don't have much money to pay because, honestly, $100 to work for eight hours? That seems a bit, I don't know, a little too little for working that long. I mean, let's break out NZ17's Faithful Calculator program, XCalc, and we'll just say $100 divided by the eight working hours works out to $12.50 an hour. So I imagine that more than the money, the real incentive to go and do this is to go and say, hey, I was hired as a professional model as a launching point to a more lucrative modeling career. Next up, more Anime Expo news, because apparently Anime Expo will be offering live streaming video of several events, including opening and closing ceremonies, their masquerade, and the AX Idol, which is like anime, American Idol, but anime themed. Uh, so, very cool, but seriously, um, it would be, if you ask me, more of a horrible tease than anything to be going and having them play uh, video from the convention uh, because you'd just be seeing all these people attending the things you can't. But then again, it's so crowded at that Anime Expo that that may be the only way you can actually see any of the major events. Okay, well, next up, for those fans of the Tales RPG series, we've got some good news for you because UFO Table will produce a Tales of Symphonia OAV series for release in Japan next year. The series, based on the popular Namco RPG, will be directed by Hiroo Tonosaki with character designs by Akira Matsushima. So, uh, I like Symphonia. They had good voice actors for America. But unfortunately, I just couldn't bring myself to play through yet another RPG. So maybe this OAV is the way to go. Next up, New York Asian Film Festival lineup announced. And this is a really long story and the last story in our news. So I'm just going to skim through the listing after I read the introductory part. The lineup for the New York Asian Film Festival has been announced. Chromati High School is based on the eponymous manga, while Shinobi is based on the same book by Futaro Yamada that the Bela Six manga is based on. The first week of NYAFF will be presented at the Anthology Film Archives, while the second week will be presented at the Animation. More information on NYAFF is available from Subway Cinema, while tickets for both venues are available from Imagine Asia. 
Uh, Richiro Mashima 3D CG Project, Ski Jumping Pairs Road to Torino 2006, won the Excellence Prize at the 2003 uh, Japan Media Arts Festival and the Special Award at the 2005 Tokyo International Film Festival. Its sequel, Ski Jumping Pairs 2007 Flying Test, will also be shown. Umizaru 2, The Test of Truth, is based on Shuho Seito's Umizaru uh, manga. Alright, so what else do we got? Uh, I'm just going to quickly go, go through these because oh, it's kind of interesting. Gangster, Bittersweet Life, Abtok Japan, Blood Rain, Great Yokai War, Art of the Devil 2, Exeniathi, uh, Chromati High School, Shinobi, Oh, My Zombie Mermaid. Okay, that's kind of weird. Art of the Devil 2, Ski Jumping Pairs, Funky Force, The First Contact, Gangster, Company, The Magicians, Peacock. Uh, then we got more Zombie Made, Cromarty High, and Jumping Pairs. Then A Stranger of Mine, Blood Rain, Funky Forest, uh, Pachigi, uh, Shinobi, and Great Yokai War. And Showing It Imaginasia, we have Krish, Welcome to Kong McClull. Duelist, Company, It's Only Talk, Linda, 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 yeah, you get the idea. So, anyways, I'm not going to read any more of that list because it's super long, and heck, we'd be here longer than the convention's going to last if I had to wager, or film festival. Uh, Alright, so let's shuffle on over to the anime review. This episode for the anime review, we're going to be reviewing Super Gals Volume 2. This volume goes and features the continuing adventures of Ran Harbuki and her best friends. Um, and a large portion of the disc focus, focuses on Miyu and her past history as a member of a gang. Now, uh, the first volume had five episodes. This has another five, uh, episodes six through ten. And anyways, uh, the first couple of episodes focus on uh, Miyu and her past life as a gang member and the things that she did. And unfortunately, somebody from the gang is back to go and take revenge against her. Um, and also, it seems that Aya is following, uh, falling for Ray, although the timid young black-haired girl cannot admit it to the number one guy on the uh, high school championship team. Uh, anyways, this volume, um, like I said, the first couple of vol uh, episodes, pretty dramatic, you know, uh, for this show at least. Uh, they happen to go and uh, have to take care of a member of a rival gang that uh, Aya's gang used to go and rumble with. Um, and unfortunately, I felt that it felt a bit too disingenuous. Uh, but at least later episodes, we get to go and see Yuya, or second place, as Ran so often calls him, tries to become closer to Ran, and she says what a nice guy he is, which of course is such a letdown for him, because while it's more than just a friend, it's not quite a boyfriend, and so unfortunately though, it appears that um, uh, the new boy, as they call him, Black, 
um, is unfortunately a much stronger competitor for Rand's affections as he goes and is so infatuated with her that he goes and just out and out asks if Rand would be his girlfriend. And basically she finds him dorky yet funny and so a ton of fun to be around. And so she says yes. And of course this goes and puts the fire under Yuya to challenge him for the affections of Rand's heart. All in all, the story isn't too thick. We get a, uh, if you will, fan service episode where everybody goes to a splash park. Um, we basically get to see a bit more into the lives of the characters, have a bit of a comic episode during this volume where um, Ran is convinced that her younger sister, who likes to go and play detectives with her middle school uh both are in middle school, but she likes to play detectives with her middle school boyfriend, and she's convinced that her sister has been kidnapped when, in fact, her sister is trying to go and convince an elderly man that he really needs to go and meet his daughter today on her birthday, as, on, yes, on, her do- on his daughter's birthday, as he has not seen his daughter in many, many years since they had their divorce. From, well, since she, her mother divorced him. So, anyways, it's it's a nice, if you will, um, emotional episode of Super Gals. But, unfortunately, um, just like the first volume, there's not too much in the way of storyline. Things happen, but they're really not things of any long-lasting um, consequence. Uh, however, this has more plot than the first one, and I found myself enjoying Super Gals Volume 2 much more than the original volume. Maybe it's because I knew what to expect going on, and this gave more than the first volume gave in terms of both character development and bits of story. Uh, unfortunately, we don't get to see uh, Ran being nearly as self-righteous as she was in the first one in her protection of Shibuya, but still, she's very protective of her friends and family in this volume, though not to as endearing an extent as in the first volume. So I'm going to have to go and give uh, Super Gals Volume 2, Never Break a Gal's Heart, Episodes 6 through 10, are recommended. Now for the fan mail first fan mail comes from the Pod Lounge, which writes, Your podcast, NC-17 Productions, has been added to the Pod Lounge. This edition is now part of our ever-growing database of podcasts, which we hope will become one of the world's largest and most popular directories. And you can find your listing at the podlounge.com.au slash listfeed.php question feed equals 32533. And says, if you would like to link, blah, 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 pod, pod, so on and so forth. So anyways, if you live in Australia and you like the thepodlounge.com.au, you can now go and find ASO Radio listed on the Pod Lounge. Um, also, later on in the show, during the hot spot, we will have um, Azure playing a special Azure Corner segment. And you may wonder... What makes this segment so special on this episode of ASA Radio? Well, I'll tell you. Just having Azure on the show is special enough. And I have to go and specially mix the audio levels to make optimum listening quality for all you listeners at home. Alright, now let's see. What else do we have? Oh, yes. We have a press release from Anime Vegas. Do, 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 do. Clicky, clicky, clicky. And I'm waiting now. Here we go. Alright. 
So, from Johnny Tidwell comes this press release, which was sent to us via our uh, fan mail contact form, which, of course, can be found online at www.nz17.com slash Radio. For immediate release, for further contact, contact John Tidwell, cartoon mongol at cox.net. Anime Vegas convention set for Labor Day weekend 2006. The fastest growing city in America gets ready for a takudam. Las Vegas, Nevada, June 13th, 2006. Anime Vegas is back for its third annual convention, and this time the date's back to Labor Day weekend in Las Vegas. Activities and features will include anime screenings, dealer's room, J-pop video showcase, cosplay, anime music video contest, electronic gaming, cartoon moguls, big cartoon exhibition, a dozen or more invited guests from the anime industry, and more events to be announced. Uh, we got a whole bunch of people that are going to be there on the um, uh, guest side of things. Uh, we're having the authors of Consumed, uh, voice actress Laura Bailey, who many of you will recall from uh, Kodacha and Fruits Basket, as well as roles in Full Metal Alchemist and Dragon Ball Z. Uh, Colin Klinkenbird from Full Metal Alchemist and Lupin the Third. Um, they just have a whole bunch of of voice actors and other creative industry people in this show and there's many too many to list on the show without boring everybody to tears uh, anyways the end of this email reads Anime Vegas is a non-profit educational organization dedicated to creating awareness of and appreciation for Japanese manga and anime in Las Vegas Nevada that celebrates art and culture from Japan and Asia and for more information they encourage people to visit AnimeVegas.com if any of you listening happen to attend Anime Vegas, be sure to write in to ASA Radio and let us know what you thought of the whole event. Well, anyways, that's going to do it for the fan mail for episode 97. I think it's time that we get on to our hot spot and our video game review. This week, we're going to go ahead and review, review Shenmue for the Sega Dreamcast. Shenmue is an ambitious game in the free genre. No, no, Sega hasn't gone crazy and started giving away games without being paid. Free stands for Free Real-Time Eyes Entertainment, or at least that's close enough. Um, essentially, Shenmue was the uh, grandfather of the free-roaming, investigative, action-based uh, gameplay styling that's become so popular in today's modern games, where you can go around towns, interact with citizens, check out all the minute details, and take care of the day-to-day -day minor activities that every person needs to take care of. Shenmue, however, is not just about these standard um, interactions with the world. No, no, there is also a plot. You see, Ryo Hazuki's uh, father has been brutally murdered at the hands of Lan Di, a mysterious man from China who has connections somewhere in the past to Ryo's father. Ryo must go and find uh, clues in order to unravel the mystery of his father's murder and find Lan Di in order to extract his revenge. Along the way, he happens to find himself enwrapped in a mysterious Chinese um, 
if you will, riddle-based mystery uh, about an ancient power contained within two different w- mirrors. And Ryo has made it his mission to track down Landy, get the answers about the mirrors, and find out why he killed his father. And while supposedly Landy claims that his father killed someone while abroad. Uh, the storyline really uh, starts to bring you in after a couple of hours into Shenmue. I found myself about two or three hours into it and starting to really get into the investigative portions. Unfortunately, though, the investigation bit being at the beginning of the um, Shenmue was not a good idea on my behalf because, as many people in the video game industry know, those first several precious minutes, that first hour, is where you make or break your game. And unfortunately, Shenmue's first hour consists of going and examining the contents of the Hazuki household, uh, then going around town and finding every person you can and asking them about that day, the day of Ryo's father's murder, um, and so on and so forth. Unfortunately, though, the game gives no real clues as to who you should and shouldn't ask, and so players will find themselves frustrated if they start asking everyone on the street who's moving because unfortunately most of the people who are hustling and bustling about will all go and tell you to go and ask somebody else or they're too busy or they're tired or any of a number of excuses Japanese people give instead of just out and out saying no as of course this game takes place during the 1980s, 86 to be exact, in um, Japan. Well, unfortunately, the translation has a bit of a problem. You see, Sega opted, instead of going and um, adapting this, as most um, translations do, to go and give a literal translation of the Japanese. Unfortunately, literal translations tend to be rather wretched because they don't translate the meanings behind the words, but just the words themselves. So oftentimes, you'll, uh, for example, when you buy Shenmue items in the game, uh, items labeled with the mysterious girl from Ryo's visions, or any of the audio tapes, when you buy these from the convenience store, you get to go and pull a raffle ticket out of the drawing box. Well, when Ryo goes and pulls it out, he says, no win. When he pulls out one, that is not a winner. And then the girl behind the counter goes, especially since um, you bought something. Makes absolutely no sense. But of course, Japanese is filled with inferences. So what I'm sure went down in the original version, version is he said, no win, at, in a disappointed tone. And so she said, oh, that's a shame, especially since you paid and everything. But, since they didn't translate the inflections, but only translated the words, you get awkward, disjointed text often throughout the course of the game. And so it can make Rio seem, at times, very impersonal and cold, or just a bit daft in the head. Uh, So it's kind of a shame in that respect that Sega even though they went and they had dozens of voice actors go and do the voiceovers for the show, missed out on the biggest opportunity, which was to go and give them good work to work with when working their own lines. Um, While most of the voice actors in the game tend to go and grate on the nerves, uh, there is a number of voice actors who do do a rather good job, such as um, the the game is uh, three discs long, three GDs, plus um, a fourth GD-ROM called Shenmue Passport. 
Now, by the time you get to the second or third GD-ROM, you can start working um, in as a forklift driver at the uh, loading docks. This is probably the most fun in the game as you get to race the uh, forklifts at the beginning of the day and later on you get to go and uh, move crates from one location to another and get paid based upon your performance and during your lunch breaks and after work you get to investigate more uh, in the local area for additional clues. Now this part of the game really should have came at the beginning because the forklift races, uh, the uh, work, and the money, which allows you to buy the mini items found throughout Shenmue, such as collectible toys in the coin, uh, in the toy catchers, um, is a lot more fun than the beginning where you're having to go and ask people all sorts of questions, meet people at certain times of day because they're working at other times or they're at such a place, and so you need to wait around and come back the next day or what have you if you fell in something. Um, if they had put these more action-orientated segments towards the beginning, I think they could have pulled a lot more people into the game and sold more copies of Shenmue, and who knows, we might even have a Shenmue 3 by now. Of course, it's not all investigations and forklifts. You also have what's known as QTEs, Quick Time Events, which is where you go and are presented with a series of actions which you must complete which essentially ends up being pressing up, down, left, or right, or A and B. Um, the screen will flash with one of these icons in the middle of the screen, and you must quickly press the selected direction or button. If you go and you manage to press the button in time, you'll go and successfully evade or jump or interact with what you uh, are supposed to be interacting with, but if you're too slow, you'll end up getting hit, knocked over, or in some cases, even killed. Um, thankfully, however, QTEs tend to go and give you several chances to go and tackle them. Um, and in some cases, while it is possible to fail too many times, in most cases you'll be offered as many chances as you need to get through the event. And also, this game has adapted the Virtua Fighter engine to allow you to actually go and use the moves from Virtua Fighter to go and take down opponents in this game when you get introduced into the fight segments, which uh, are featured dominantly throughout the third disc. Um, so like I said, it would have been really great if the first disc had been as action-oriented as the third disc, and they would left more of the investigation for later on. But it's not all hard work for Ryo and getting into scraps with some of the local hoodlums. There's a number of his friends which will go and you can call on the phone as well as interact with throughout town and have fun with um, and meet at their various jobs and what have you. But you can also go down to the local arcade and participate in some of Sega's most classic games created by Shenmue's creator Yu Suzuki back in the 80s. Um, as a matter of fact, if you're good enough with the raffle drawings, you can win Sega Saturn games, which you can then play on Ryo's Sega Saturn, which he has back at home. From what I've heard, they're emulated perfectly, but unfortunately winning the drawings is rather hard, as it's more or less random and left up to luck, and getting the higher level prizes is highly unlikely. Although it does seem a bit strange to have something so anachronistic as a Sega Saturn, which didn't come out until 95, or 90, yeah, 95, existing in uh, the 1980s. So 10 years too early, but still a nice little thing to have in there. Um, you collect, like I said, the toys, which are added to your various collections, 
and uh, you can go in and see what you have and what you don't have. Uh, but unfortunately, there's not a set list within the game. However, back in the day, using the fourth disc of the Shenmue Passport, you could go online and trade your collected goods with other people's collected goods in an attempt to go and get a complete collection. But unfortunately, Sega no longer has these servers active, and so I was not able to go and test this feature. Of course, since most Dreamcasts uh, only were ever equipped with the Dreamcast modem rather than the broadband network adapter, uh, I wouldn't be able to test it anyway since I don't have dial-up internet access. Well, Shenmue, while a very good game, uh, ends with a nice ending. You know, they could have left it off as essentially Ryo going and continuing on his journey. Um, but thankfully, there was a Shenmue too. Unfortunately, in the United States, we had to go and wait for Sega to port it over to the Xbox as Sega was really hurting for money and part of their contract with Microsoft stipulated that they could not release their almost completely finished Shenmue 2 port, uh, well not port, but they had almost finished localizing Shenmue 2 for the Dreamcast and they had to delay that port uh, while Yu Suzuki's team worked on going and uh, porting it to the Xbox, and then later Sega of America could take their partially done translation work, well, let's be honest, fully done translation work, and put it into the Xbox version. Uh, however, I have the European version of Shenmue 2 uh, for the Dreamcast. Europe was lucky enough to go and get Shenmue 2, and even luckier, didn't have to put up with the shoddy voice work of the American version. They left the Japanese dialogue intact, and just had it subtitled in six different languages. I believe I'll have it subtitled in English when I go to review that one. But enough about the future review of Shenmue. Um, let's go and wrap up this review of Shenmue. Shenmue for the Dreamcast was a very ambitious project. Took over 15, uh, 15, took over five years to create, and at the time was the most expensive game ever produced. As a matter of fact, it was originally slated for release for the Saturn because it was so long in development, but thankfully it had a nice, nice remake graphic-wise uh, for the Dreamcast, as the Saturn version was none too pretty to look at. Unfortunately, though, the ambition of Shenmue is not able to go and really be fulfilled in the first game, because the first game, uh, I can't say the exact number of hours that I played through the first Shenmue, but it was much, much less than 20 hours. And these days, RPG-style games like Shenmue, which is, though not a true RPG, similar with its story aspects, um, they tend to be at least 30 hours long, and where this Shenmue... I think I probably got through it in 10 hours, maybe less. Um, that, it, unfortunately, does not cut the mustard. And these things led to several people giving it a rather harsh review. But I have to give Shenmue props for its innovative use of the VMU, taking um, the immersiveness of video games to a whole new level, which has gone and shown itself into the games that we are now seeing released in this day and age. Very influential. Um, and unfortunately, though, the uh, aspirations of this game were so great that only a small taste was gotten in the first installment. I think, unfortunately, that that caused a bit of a stunted growth for the game. And so not too many picked up the first game. And so, by extension, even fewer people probably picked up the second game. 
Um, I like Shenmue pretty well. It was mysterious how uh, Yu Suzuki's team opted not to use the uh, Rumble or Puru uh, uh, Puru pack for the Dreamcast to go and provide force feedback um, for this game, even though they utilized just about everything else for the Dreamcast. Um, so that is a bit of an odd exception. But I'm going to go and give Shenmue for the Dreamcast a recommended. Um, like I said, it was too ambitious, so we didn't get enough taken care of in the first game, which is supposed to be Chapter 1 of a 16-chapter story. And, of course, the English voice acting, not quite as good as it could be. However, the emulation of the games was spot on, and once you get into the story and start really getting into it, it's a rather fun game. Thankfully, though, things like having to wait around for a vent and, um, oh, what's that other annoyance I had? Let's see. Waiting around for a vent and being forced through certain events, such as when you get the job, you can't go around before the job starts or have a day off. You're constantly working every day. Um, so these problems, however, were, from what I've understood, quite alleviated in the second Shenmue game. But we'll see about that when I get around to it and carry over my cleared, saved game and all the collectibles and moves that I've learned. So Shenmue for the Sega Dreamcast gets a wordy recommended from NZ17. Uh, hey Goku, stuck in this pit of ultimate death too? There's no hotspot, so I won't bother trying that again. And don't even think about calling that flying cloud of yours. So, tell me what hell was like. Hello, ASO Radio listeners. This is Azure's Corner. Today, we have a video game review and some news on the state of the UK anime and manga industry. The Barbican in London is going to have an anime season again this year. It will be showing Akira, Tokyo Godfathers, four episodes of Paranoia Agent, and having Makoto Shinkai Triple Bill. Many of these showings will also be preceded by talk by anime expert Helen McCarthy. Like the US before it, the publishing industry is shocked at the level of manga sales in UK, with graphic novel sales overall having risen massively. With 100,000 units being reported in 2001, right up to 600,000 in 2005. The two major publishers, Tokyo Pop UK and Glance, which publishes a lot of this stuff, will be joined soon by HarperCollins, which is promising over 40 titles. And talking of Tokyo Pop, they're touring bookshops around the country at the moment to promote Rising Stars and Manga's UK competition. Bookshops include Borders, Otakars and Blackwells. You have to check yourself if your local bookshop is part of the tour, since there's no information at all online. Nintendo DS owners might be interested to know that many game shops are actually running Nintendo DS demo pods. You can stand outside and download demos. This month it's Polarium and Meteos. I tried playing Polarium myself and it was quite a lot of fun. You got 10 puzzles which last me all day. You do have to remember though, when you download demos, um, you go onto the DS and you download play rather than trying to connect through your games, that once you turn your DS off, it wipes the demo. So you'll have to put in standby mode if you want to take your DS around with you and keep the demo for a little while. If you're in London on the 1st of July and can get down to Cafe Manga in County Hall, you'll be interested to know that J-Pop Go is on again. This month's theme is Magical Girls versus Magical Boys. So if you like to cosplay, this is an excellent opportunity. But if you don't, still come along anyway for some great music and a great night. The website for that is www.jpopgo.co.uk. 
And finally, Amicon 2006, which is being held at the University of Leicester from the 11th to 13th of August 2006, has opened up registrations for its waiting list. The actual main con is booked up, but if you register in just now, if anyone cancels, then you'll be contacted and you'll be able to get a place. The special guests for Amicon are Monica Real and Greg Ayres. So if you can make it, I'll see you there. This week, I'm reviewing the computer game Dragon Ball Advanced Adventure. It's been out here for some time, but I believe it's just coming out in America. Please bear in mind that my review is for the UK version. I think there are some differences. Dragon Ball Advanced Adventure is for the Game Boy Advance, although you won't find any problems running it on the DS. It's a retro side-scrolling platform adventure. But don't worry, there's a lot of combat. With the action button, you can either fight using Goku's fists, or using one of the shoulder buttons, you can fight with Goku's Nyoibo, or use his famous Kamehameha attack. Most of the baddies are fairly easy to beat, but there are a lot of them, and it's fairly challenging. Like most other adventure games, it's about getting across the screen and through the levels as quickly as possible. The game follows the plot of the manga fairly closely. There are a few changes where I think it's been censored slightly. There's been no reference to Punch yet. Then, to be fair, I haven't got to summoning Shenron yet. Mark's Adventure has a good summer feel. The controls are responsive, and the levels are beautifully drawn. If you follow the anime and the manga, you'll get a lot out of this, and even if you don't. If you like those old SNES side-scrolling adventures, you'll like this. The bosses are also challenging. Like for some reason, Emperor Pilaf, you know, the little short guy, is far harder to beat than Tao Pai Pai. And to be fair, they have to follow the order these things go in in the series. The music's also pretty enjoyable. It's definitely got that Dragon Ball flavour. But one of my favourite features is the fact that there's voice in there for the main characters. And for the UK version anyway, they've left the Japanese in there. So you get to hear Goku yell, Yoibo! Which I find fun anyway. If there's a major foreign game, it's the fact that it hasn't been playtested properly. On the Red River Army base level, there are holes that you can fall in and not get out, and you have to turn it off and do the whole level again. Which is a bit annoying because it's multi-staged. One of the things I really like is how the gameplay is mixed up. There are other side scrolling combat levels, but also levels where you get to fly on Goku's Kintuan, his magical cloud. You can guide the cloud up and down, but you can also jump off it onto various vehicles and carry on fighting. The cloud automatically catches you, so you don't have to worry about falling, but it does add the up and down element to the fighting. It's also interesting, in a lot of the boss levels, it turns into your sort of Street Fighter style combat game. There aren't any more moves than normal, but you have to use the kind of strategy that you do with 2D fighters. I have to say, at this point, it's where Goku's Noibo, his magical red extending pole, comes really into good use. You can twirl it around and make it grow. But unfortunately, you can't use it to jump over platforms. You can only use it designated like that, designated spots. Another superb extra feature on Advanced Adventure is the two-player mode. I can't myself play it two-player because I don't know anyone else with another Game Boy Advance I can connect up to. But you can play it versus AI. This mode uses boss-style battle mode, which is the 2D fighter, and you can fight certain characters that you unlock, so you can fight Krillin, um, Tao Pai Pai and various others as you unlock them. It's a great extra bonus. Unusually for a Dragon Ball game, I'm going to recommend this to everyone, not just Dragon Ball fans. Aside from a few of the bugs, it's a fun game.
that's well put together. Let's hope the future Dragon Ball games on the big consoles, such as Tenpaichi 2 for the Wii, can live up to the same standard. Sadly, I've got little else to talk about. It's summer, and there's not much anime news until Amicon in August. But I do want to point out something for everyone. If you're a manga artist, then you've probably heard of Manga Studio. Or surfing around and googling, I found that there is actually a 30-day demo. The demo doesn't seem to be publicised that much, but I definitely advise that you download it before you buy either version of Manga Studio. Although there are a lot of tools that aren't in comic works, it's quite fiddly to use. If you create manga digitally, then I suggest you check it out. Photoshop can be used, but it feels like you force it into doing things, whereas Manga Studio's got special design tools for creating panels, for instance. It's not for everyone, but as I said, Try it out for free and see if you like it. Well, that was another Azure's Corner. I'll hand you back over to the capable hands of NZ17. Oh, thank you very much, Azure. That was a lovely edition of Azure's Corner. And it seems that we might be going and working this into a full-fledged uh, series within a series, as it were. And what a perfect way to go and cap off this episode of ASO Radio. Uh, it's been fun making episode 97. And I hope you all tune in and check out the awesomeness that will be episode 98, wherein we'll go and review the second volume of Paranoia Agent and Sonic Rush for the Nintendo DS. But until then, I wish you all a wonderful night, safe travels, and I hope to see you back again here next week for another exciting episode of ESO Radio. ASA Radio is copyright of NC-17 Productions. ASA Radio is licensed to the general public under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike license. Additional licenses available. For more information, visit us online at www.nz17.com.